0: It's so good to see everybody. Blessings to all of you. I love worshiping together. You know, our series is Engage, still in it, talking about putting our faith into play, um, talking about activated faith, a faith that shows up in real ways. And you know, we've been using the whole, uh, incident that occurred in Luke 10, these past few weeks between Mary and Martha, the two sisters and Jesus, and this just marvelous passage. And we've been using it as a way of exploring how we should be in this time of ours, this unusual transition time that we find ourselves in. You know, and last week we spent a lot of time <laughs> talking about the example of Mary. Yes. And the way in which she modeled cultivating Uh, an interior life with the Lord, uh, how she sat at the feet of Jesus and, and just honored that in such a way that by the time the exchange was done, Jesus was using her as an example of, of the one thing that is truly needful. And, you know, it's easy to see Mary as an example of what we're supposed to do. And she is, I mean, how do you, you know, how do you argue with it? It's, she's Mary is a wonderful example. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and it's correspondingly. I think sometimes easy to see Martha as the example of what not to do. I guess another way of saying it is in the Mary Martha debate in the Mary Martha showdown, you know, Mary always wins. Mary always wins partly because. You know, Jesus said so. So, you know, how do you, how do you trump that? I mean, you know, Mary has done the one thing that is truly needful. I mean, Mary wins. It's, and yet I would like to suggest that just because in this situation, Jesus made it clear what the better choice was that we don't write off Martha too quickly. That there is actually some things she also can teach us. That there is no question that she was missing the moment that that she had misaligned her priorities, had allowed herself to get worked up and attitudinally she had, um, clearly, uh, you know, she was just out of alignment herself, anxious, angry, stressed out. Not, I'm just not, I'm just not going to argue with that. I can't argue with it. How can we, there's no way. But I also think it's important that we acknowledge the positives of Martha. And I don't think that's a common thing when it's discussed, I think we can sometimes lose the spirit of what she was actually trying to do and the value and beauty of what Martha was bringing to the table, she becomes a kind of cautionary tale in the sense that she escalated things disproportionately and ended up getting rebuked lovingly, gently, but nonetheless corrected by Jesus in a way that is, is hard to miss that, right? You can't. But then if we're not careful, we can also miss the thing that she was doing that was good. And that's the kind of unconventional approach I'd like for us to take. And I even, even ask you now, Lord, to help us as we as we just spend some time in your words together. And, And I want to read it again, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha loved Jesus. Jesus loved Martha. And she wanted to honor the Lord. That was really important to her. That's the backdrop of everything here is that she, she cares. Maybe she sensed intuitively this was a special time and it was even more important that the Lord was affirmed and honored and blessed. He who was always giving deserved to be given something back. In Martha's mind, she wanted to, you know, bless Jesus. And she was going to use her gifts. I mean, she's clearly has this extraordinary administrative gift. She's running a household and anyone who's ever had to run a household has to have some level of administrative capacity. On top of that, she also had something else that's clearly evident. She had a gift of hospitality that was in her heart, in her nature to have a meal, to bless, to create space for the celebration itself. It's very important for her. So she was using her gift. And as we have discussed, her gift was undermined by her irritation. That's the unfortunate side of this. And sometimes it's what we notice. and, And we don't forget that, you know, she was irritated. She got irritated at first with her sister, Mary, and then incredibly with Jesus. Remember her accusation, her insinuation flowed from an agitation with the situation that she found herself in feeling abandoned by her sister and Jesus, letting it all happen. And so she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? That would have been enough. But then on top of that, she says, I need you to tell her to help me right now that, and now Jesus gives her I still have to say it. it's not a rebuke, but it, it's a correction. It's a gentle correction, but it's a correction nonetheless, uh, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You are, but one, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. But in that moment, right? Martha, Martha, Jesus says her name twice. I hope you understand there aren't too many times where Jesus says a name twice. There's only a few actually in the gospels. So that should immediately cause us to take notice. This is not just a common thing. There is one moment that stands out, of course, with Peter, uh, we, around what we call the last supper as Jesus is on the edge of the cross, the night of the betrayal, and he's talking about the cross with his. Intimate disciples, right? This wonderful, beautiful exchange. And he talks about the cross and Peter rebukes him and says, it's not going to happen to you. I'm not going to let it happen. And then Jesus hits Peter with a, actually a statement that had, has become even more meaningful in my life. Some of you may know this, but in Luke 22, Jesus in the, in the, at the moment of the apex of that in, intense exchange. He says to Peter, he uses his surname, Simon, 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 Simon. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And when you are restored, you strengthen your brethren. It was an intense moment. It's one of the few times Jesus mentions is mentioned as repeating a name twice. There's another time where Jesus is standing and watching over Jerusalem. And he can already see where things are going and he laments it. He does, he knows he's going to be rejected by his people, that he will follow a long line of those sent by God who were rejected by God's people. The broken heart of God and the magnanimity of God revealed in these words, when Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to her. How often I hear the tenderness of the Lord's voice? How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. You would not have me. Right? It, it, it was it was very passionate. Um, in fact, usually when Jesus repeats a name twice in Simon, Simon or Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it's for a point of emphasis, but it, it also has at times a sympathy in it or a melancholy in it. It's clearly a pathos. It's, it's not really anger. You, you, it's not anger. It's, it's, it's more sadness or a desire to see a, a, something adjusted or corrected or seen differently. And it's always born out of love. That's, that's the thing, born out of love. And come to think of it, that's exactly what happens with, with Saul. The one who becomes, you know, Paul on the road to Damascus in, in Acts nine, where Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So look at the examples. I mean, you have Jerusalem, you have Simon, you have Peter, you have Saul, you have Paul and you have Martha. I mean, that's, that's pretty intense company right there. Martha, Martha, it's one of those rare moments. And I look at Martha and it's something we do need to at least remember. And that is this, that in her case, as much as she wanted to bless Jesus and she did her expression of hospitality and affection and concern for the Lord, her intention to bless was according to Jesus, you know, part of that Martha, Martha is that. You're, you're allowing that good intention to be overwhelmed and fractured by a state of mind. And this is just not good for you. And I think that's what can happen. I hope we understand this, that when we allow our soul to be troubled and she was allowing her soul to be troubled. I'm not saying she intentionally chose to do it. She clearly didn't. She stumbled her way. She wandered into a place of irritation. Just like we do, (laughs) we do all the time. I do. But, but if you, if you really look at it, her gift, her gift was being undermined. That's, and that's what happens when we allow our soul to be troubled, either from issues inside or outside of us, that our gift can be overwhelmed. Like what was meant to be a wonderful, beautiful contribution, what was motivated out of a desire to bless and out of a heart of love and affection, uh, was, was being undermined by the way she was allowing certain things to affect her state of mind. Martha, Martha, Jesus says, you are anxious and you are troubled about, about so many things right now. Martha, stop it. And it's true in her case, she was disturbed about everything, the stress, you know, Mary, uh, Jesus, the situation inside of her was a tumult, a little storm and it was erupting and she couldn't contain it. And it comes out and you know, I found myself and maybe this relates to, to some of us, but I found myself thinking about the frustration that many of us are having to walk through right now the frustration of, of the situation we find ourselves in, um, right. Be how, how. Difficult it is, it's, it's partly fear. It's partly a lack of clarity. It's partly has to do with the slowness of transitioning back into uh, normalcy. And what will that even look like when we get back? And will it ever be some of the things that I've loved most will I ever recover them. And so you have this really unusual mix of things that we're having to walk through together right now. And I, I just, I just think that it's, it's even more it makes what's happening with Martha even more. Um, significant because some of the, some of the pressure that we're feeling is inside of us, but some of it's also outside of us connected to this disruption that we're all having to walk through that has disturbed our sense of, of, of peace. And so we find ourselves frustrated. I think that's a a fair assessment and it may lean towards frustration with fear or it may lean towards frustration with anger, or it may lead to frustration with worry or anxiety. But that frustration is something that we have to be aware of because if we give too much place to it or we don't resolve it properly, then it can it can erupt inside of us. And then it can then affect things and damage things. And we need so we need to pay attention to that. Again, we talk about taking care of our soul, but there's something else here. And Jesus talks about it. He says, you know, um, He says, Martha, you're, 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 you're just, you're just allowing this to just overwhelm you. You're so troubled. And I think I maybe put it a different way. I'll say this, that unresolved disturbance on the inside, which is where I think most of it was happening, will usually do damage on the outside. So that's another way of looking at it. Unresolved disturbance on the inside will usually do damage on the outside. Now that disturbance on the inside may be affected or stimulated or catalyzed in some way by what we're experiencing externally. But when it gets inside of us, when we're not handling things properly on the inside, then we begin to damage the outside and we become the damagers. You see what I'm saying? That's different. So external things that begin to work inside of us then can cause a reaction from us that creates a disturbance. Because we're giving place to the disturbance inside of our soul. This is why we need to tend to our soul. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are so frazzled about many things, so many things. But, you know, Mary is focused on the one thing. And I have to say, if I'm Jesus, this is how I would say it, that she has chosen the one thing that is truly needful in this moment. And that may be a word for us. That the most meaningful thing for us in this season is, is really our need to be with him in a centered and aligned way that creates an equanimity, a settledness of soul, that that probably does have to be, and should be the priority. And we, we mentioned that last week and how we need to lean in and, and care for our soul, that we need to pay attention to our heart for, you know, out of the heart flows, the issues of life, the scriptures tell us. And, and so no one's going to even suggest even in any way, shape or form, that that is not the highest priority, the one thing that is truly needful, but, and here's a key, we should not allow our need to lean in to be the end point. We need to yes, um, sit with the Lord. We need to be able to care for our soul, but there's also a time for leaning out. There's a time for leaning in and there's a time for leaning out and serving and caring for the welfare of others. Just because Martha uh, didn't handle things properly, doesn't mean that she wasn't doing something that was actually very important. That's, that's what I'm wanting us to hear. There is a time for us to sit, but there's also a time for us to serve. There's a time for us to care for our soul which is part of what we're doing right now, there's also a time to care for others. You see what I'm saying? These, these are the, exp- you know, sitting and serving, uh, leaning in, leaning out, caring for our soul, caring for others. These are the expressions and the rhythms of the Christian life. Because as we're told, there is a time for everything. To everything there is a time if I can put it this way, and I know you're going to hear what I mean by it, I hope you hear it when I say it and I hope you, I would make sense, but I'm going to say there's a, there's a Mary time and there's a Martha time. It, there's a Mary time and there's a Martha time. And if we come out of, out of this, this study here and this, you know, just en- engagement with this piece of scripture, and we come out of this and miss the truth that, one of the main purposes of Mary time is to move us to Martha time, then it will be to our disadvantage. I, I need to say that one more time. I mean, if we come out of this study and we miss the fact that one of the main purposes as valuable as Mary time is sitting with the, sitting with Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus and engaging his words. As absolutely essential it is at a core level to the healthy life with Christ, the growing life with Christ, the vibrant life with Christ, always connected to sitting with Jesus at his feet, you know, having time to pray and think and write things down and to talk about that and to, you know, not just engage it in a, in a service fashion, but in a deeper one, right? That that's huge. No, one's ever going to suggest that. But if it only is Mary time, if that's where it ends and we never can also jump into Martha time and I'm calling Martha time in the best way, serving and giving and loving and tangibly blessing that, 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 that's something that, you know, Martha has something to teach us too, is what I'm suggesting that Martha is also a model, not the part that she got out of whack with, not that part, but don't let that take us away from the good thing that she was doing, which was wanting to serve and bless. Martha was intuitively aware of how much hospitality mattered to Jesus. She was, and in that regard, she had actually caught something of the heart of the Lord, that giving and blessing and serving actually meant a great deal to Jesus. And there were more than a few occasions where the Lord made it very clear that he noticed when people remembered or forgot. You know, thinking about the people who were healed, sometimes Jesus would go, Where where, where are the others? You know, only one came back to say thank you. Or when a host forgot to, you know, bless him and, and Jesus would say, Well, you want to come into your house, you didn't you didn't take care of me he noticed those things. Martha was aware that that meant something to the Lord. And in fact, the fact is that Jesus lived that out. He had come to do that for people. Martha was aware that Jesus himself modeled service, that he had come. Think about this. He said, not to be served, but to serve. The son of man comes to serve, not to be served. Now he wasn't opposed to being blessed or this whole thing would have been something he rejected. He didn't do that. He would receive blessing all the time, but at his core, he was a servant. He was God's servant and he was serving all of us and he was giving. The son of man gives his life as a ransom for many, serving and giving. uh, Jesus was a blesser. Jesus was a healer. Think about that. And he gave of himself in tangible ways during his earthly ministry to such a degree that he was often exhausted in his humanity and the disciples would try to take care of him because they saw how much he was giving and blessing and serving and loving. And so, you know, Martha, she had some of that and Jesus loved her for it. So don't miss that truth as we admire Mary, as we should, let us not also miss the positive example of Martha. That is huge because Martha was not a bystander. She was a person of engaged faith and her, her faith was active. Her love was, was real. It was worked out. She's, she is an example for us in that way. Remember James two 26 says that faith without works is, is dead. Which is kind of another way of saying Mary without Martha is incomplete. Mary without Martha is incomplete. Mary is the supreme example in regards to our greatest need because our strength is in him. But Martha is also an example because our faith needs to show up and what we do with the Lord at an eternal level needs to be revealed in an external practical one. And I was reminded of this wonderful passage in Romans 12. It's a chapter that describes in splendid detail, what an activated faith looks like and how the, the Christian life is supposed to show up. And I really would encourage a lot of you to consider revisiting Romans 12 especially in the context of what we're saying about Martha and her example. But you know what I want to do? I want to read a portion of it and I've chosen to read it from the, the slightly more granular and looser, um, or at least I say less technical translation, the message translation, and I'm going to put it on the screen. We're going to put it on the screen. And you know, if some of you want to read it with me out loud, go for it. I mean why not? <laughs> you know, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it at my own tempo. I'll try to slow myself down a little bit more because sometimes I start reading, as you know, I can start tearing down the road. I go fast, but I'll slow this down a little bit because the words are really meaningful. So what I've all, all I've done is cold uh, or cut out uh, just a portion of Romans 12 from the message. And I want to read the pieces through that, again, I think connect to the example of the good thing that Martha really models. So here we go. I'm going to read it through. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking instead. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Then to verse six, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help don't. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Oh, this is so good. be. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder, help needy Christians. And then the last one, be inventive in hospitality. Be, I won't say that one again, be inventive in hospitality. We're talking about being creative in our hospitality being creative in the way we give and bless and serve. Some of us might say, well, you know, how can we do that right now? I'll talk about that in a moment, but what I want to get at really here is saying this, that Martha time is needed. It really is. Mary time, no question, but Martha time is needed as well. More. And I, I would say this Martha time is, is. Needed more than ever, given some of the limitations that we're facing right now, where we have more than we realize opportunities to bless and to refresh everywhere. I don't see this as just a time of limitation or, you know, frustrating, uh, kind of, uh, you know, having to deal with things that we don't want. It's actually an opportunity. It is that, but it's actually an opportunity for us to bless in new ways. And remember the one who refreshes will themselves be refreshed. No question about it. It only blesses the other, but we get blessed as well. And so we think about hospitality, which, which was one of Martha's great gifts. I mean, we can't bring people into our homes the way we want to. It's not like we can throw a giant celebration. So we can't, we can't bring people to our house. We can't bring people to the church on location in presence, the way that we are accompanied or accustomed to, but you know, and again, I've, I've told everybody, I said, well, it's not, we're still having church. We're just having it differently, but that way that we used to have it, we can't do that right now, but we can bring the spirit of the house to others. I can't bring people to my house, but we can bring the, the spirit of the house to people. We can do so much, even in this time we can, you know, our church has community expressions and ways to help others. You can do that. We can bless, we can share, we can pray. We can send notes of encouragement. We can do good in practical, tangible ways. We can sow good. We can sow God. You know, I've watched my, uh, oldest daughter, Chloe Cahill as she's organized a, a ministry that has been invaluable, the ways to help ministry that so many of our church is participating in and contributing in and engaging in community to bless. It's just been wonderful. And, you know, I've watched the people involved in it, just doing exactly what we just read here, being inventive in hospitality, Creating ways to bless and serve and give and love in sacrificial ways. I just see life everywhere. And there's, there's something to that. I've, you know, I've, I'll take it a little bit more close to home and I hope it's not, not bragging, but. I've watched my wife be part of a team making and distributing masks and meals to hospital workers and other people. And I've watched our church send out and coordinate groups of volunteers to help distribute food with, uh, organizations, the Salvation Army in particular, we've watched, I've, I've watched, um, my wife and others make baked goods and with love and care and distribute food, uh, you know, and, and distribute them to people in our church community with house calls, you know, done properly, but I've i wa- I've watched all of that. I've watched our teams buy groceries and other goods and share them with needy families and, and especially a few of our elderly who are alone in, in, in not really, even able sometimes to to do things. It's just just a difficult time and very loneliness is is real. And I've watched that care and that love expressed. I've watched our kids ministry leaders drop off baskets right at this time and and watched them help single moms and 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 families who were not used to being under this level of stress have support. I mean, just it's just. I mean, I guess what i I'm saying is. I've seen so much good. I've seen a lot of Martha time. That's what I'm saying of Martha time. That's what I call it. Um, I'm talking about Martha time and I'm proud to also lead a church full of Martha's. Mary is absolutely needed. And we all need to have a little bit of, we need to have Mary in us, but boy, I noticed I think maybe what I've noticed most at this time is is that there are a lot of Marthas out there, and you know who you are. I'm married to one, but I'm telling you, when I say Marthas out there, I'm talking about men and women. I, I see ton. I just see a lot of you who have the spirit of Martha in you, and you're just blessing everywhere. You are being like we were told in Romans 12, uh, just you know, creative and inventive in hospitality. I just see it everywhere, and you know, some of you. have given extra to, you maybe haven't been able to serve directly, but you've given, and you're, you're a part of that blessing because you've helped make it happen. That's, that's also true. But the bottom line is this, we need both Mary time and Martha time. We need both Mary time and Martha time. That's how that's how it's supposed to be. We need both. Mary time and Martha time. Martha time is really important. Hey, let's keep that in mind. Um, as we shift over, got a song to close with, I'm going to come back around though, after that and share the blessing and pray. And I have one more thought I want to mention, you know, and, and as far as this time, usually it says when I, I, have a chance to remind everybody to just continue to be faithful as much as possible in your giving your tithes and your offerings which you guys have been doing amazing i've just been humbled and overwhelmed by that as well i know not everyone can but those of you who have been able to whether it's on the app or online or some of you've been mailing stuff in i mean just i just see so much beauty so much giving and so much sacrifice everywhere in every direction i'm just love. i'm loving you I'm, I'm loving being your pastor. I'm loving this church. I'm loving what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to the journey we're all going to make together as we, as we move forward together. And God's going to be with us. But anyway, right now, I'm going to go to the song and then I'll come back around. See you in a bit.
1: have been running in circles Jumping the hurdles Getting caught in that rush of doing so much, feeling kind of worn out. All the check in the box, trying to be flawless. Has we spinning my head, catching my breath, too afraid to slow down. I tell myself to keep this up, that God wants more than just my love. But I've been complicating things, it's just like me, to over. To the kingdom Knowing life will be found when love can be alive Cause love is what it's all about. I tell myself to keep this up, that all God wants is just my love, no more complicated. Hearts and changes lives. Love is all we need to make things right.
0: I really enjoy being able to be here together with you. My heart is that we would put our faith into action. I understand that we need a merry time to keep our hearts close to Jesus. And maybe for some of us, the Lord is calling us to have a little more merry time and pay attention to things that are on the inside. But let's also be open to the Martha time. Let's be open to the opportunities that abound in every direction Let's choose to look for ways to be models and life givers and healers in His name. I like to say wounded healers in His name. And my prayer is that the Lord would be so real in your life, that God's goodness would be so near you, that you would sow water and reap, that we would remember together that He's so good, He's so God. And therefore you and I can sow good and so God, right? That's what we've been given the opportunity to do. So Lord, I just, I just ask that you would stir our hearts to want to really represent your heart and that you would keep each one, each one of my friends, each one of you, keep them all Lord in spirit and in soul and in body, heal in every way that life spring out of us. Help us not to be afraid, nor frustrated, nor angry. Help us to trust you, resilient, open as optimistic as we can possibly be. That's my prayer for all of us. Let's engage in some Martha time. Do some good in his name. Bless you all. Love you guys. Till I see you again.